Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to the last episode of Beyond Bitcoin for 2023. And along with me today is my friend and colleague, as always, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. Hey, Derek. The year flies by. A lot happened this year, which we'll touch upon as, as a year in review, but really glad to be in this journey with you, Derek. And I believe we have another special guest today. We'll talk about their projects and where we're heading. So looking forward to this last but meaningful conversation for the year. Indeed, indeed, indeed. It's been a fantastic year to be working with you, Nitin, on Beyond Bitcoin. It's always a joy to learn, and I hope we've managed to educate and support the industry itself in the various guests that we've had on and our various views. So before we get on to our guests, let's put the year into a little bit of context in regards to what's happened to the market. And, and that, of course, is that you've seen you know, the, the market cap currently on, on coin currency charts is sitting at 1.57 trillion. This same time in December 2022, when you and I were doing a podcast, it was sitting at 810 billion. So it's gone up close to 100% during that period of time. Bitcoin, of course, is trading at 43,200 US dollars. Ethereum's up at 2,243. I mean, these are substantial growth from what broadly was a low of about 15 and maybe $900 through the year. So we've seen the benchmark CCI 30, which we use as a fund, as a benchmark, when we benchmark the Portal Digital Fund and the Radiance Fund against, it's up about 15% for the month, and it's up 95% year-to-date. And by the way, year-to-date is getting damn close to annual 12-month period of time. So, so I thought might yeah. take this moment to look at uh, a group called Sigmund, who we've met with a couple of times in, in Zurich over a period of time, and they are doing an institutional investor survey report on an annual basis to, to measure what the instos are thinking about the year ahead. Now, we read often of what the sort of the more, the, the more crypto native are looking at the year ahead. And the crypto natives, of course, are very excited about the year ahead. They're very bullish. Their view is generally that there's nearly two years of bull run ahead of us. But the institutions, they're a different, they're a different tribe. And so it'll be intriguing to see what they think. So it was interesting to note that nearly 40% of the institutional investors planned to invest, sorry, planned to wait for their investment to come through in regards to sort of the, the first half of 2024 rather than in the quarter, the last quarter of 2023. 60% of all investors who were surveyed said that they think there's going to be a a solid positive upswing in 2024. So I found that really quite intriguing and the deployment then being in the first half of the year. 
the majority of institutional investors see crypto as an opportunity to participate in expected market upside as well as a safe haven, a strategy for hedging against traditional markets. Oh, wow, Nitin, haven't we come a long way when they're defining it as a safe haven? <laughs> you know, <laughs> 24 months ago, it was or, far or, from or, their definition. Or as Larry would say, a flight to safety. Our friend Larry, Uncle Larry from... Yeah, from Uncle Larry from BlackRock. A flight to safety, bless him. And so really attitudes have changed. And a lot of the, in the institutional investors still, however, are focused on what they understand. And that is single token exposure, mostly around Bitcoin, a little bit around Ethereum, because they can understand how to access ETFs, how to get that on their Bloomberg screen, how to get exposure in the marketplace. New trends are interesting, though, because the demand for tokenized real estate, they're arguing, is higher than the demand for venture capital, art and collectibles combined. So early stages of tokenization of real world assets, but we've always said that this asset class is going to consume these big asset classes like real estate by virtue of reflecting their value in a tokenized manner. A lot of our listeners are from Singapore and they'll be pleased to note that 75% of the institutional Singaporean respondents intend to increase their crypto allocations in 2024, with 78% of this saying they intend to do that within the next six months. So. I think overall you're seeing a general trend of those in the survey that institutional looking at 2024 as a period they wish to deploy to the space. Uh, they have confidence in its continued growth. And I think the takeaway is the concept of a safe haven. So, Nitin, we're talking here about traditional institutional investments. It's ironic because our guest today is really developing a protocol to disintermediate <coughs> or to democratize investment in, in this space. And so, Nitin, would you in introduce yeah. Sri Misra for us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll provide my narrative as well, but it's interesting because Sri, Sri Misra, now a good friend, I actually met him in consensus about two years back. This is ideal crypto conferences. You meet amazing, interesting people. He was sitting right next to me and we got to chat about the industry. And I believe Sri, Sri was, it was Caitlin Long who was on the stage who actually used interesting expletives for the Federal Reserve because she had her application pending. And so we got a talk and he was just talking about his, at the time, concept. And two years later, he has built this amazing DeFi asset management platform, which we'll discuss in detail, of course. So Sri, welcome to our to to Beyond Bitcoin, and we'll go deeper into what Arna Protocol is, which is essentially, as I mentioned earlier in my introduction, is DeFi asset management platform. But to add on to Derek's sort of perspective, Derek, a year in review for me, I broadly, as I'm engaged in the industry from my day job perspective, but also as an industry professional, I broadly classify this into four different categories, right? We've seen institutional embracing crypto, and this is not just from the funds and the growth in funds globally, uh, but also ETFs. So ETF has taken the lion's share of the conversations and quantum of investments that's expected to come into the industry. 
Second thing I think is second broad bucket is around regulatory and supervision, you know, supervisory action. So this is all the lawsuits against SBF and Celsius and and Daquan being extradited to the U.S. and looking into Binance. All these were sort of enforcement actions that global bodies of of regulators, primarily led by the U.S. So to me, that is significant chunk of energy that's gone into dissecting where things went wrong and, and deciphering between what's right, what's wrong, what are the regulatory boundaries that the existing regulation covers. And which to me, while it didn't move and, and you know, the needle a lot, it actually provided a lot of, you know, consumed a lot of energy, but also provided a lot of clarity for a lot of projects who were trying to debate in terms of where they stand and what is the action they can expect. And the third sort of category I would say is a regulatory framework and clarity. And as much as we talk about on this show, Derek, and we got tired of talking about regulation, mm-hmm. we saw MICA in Europe being passed. We saw WARA in Dubai provide some clarity in the UAE ecosystem. We've seen MAS pass some of the regulation and many projects which were experimenting with some of the protocols that the likes of Sri are building for the industry. So there was a lot of work, and we also saw the the India presidency of G20 provide clarity, the the FASB on accounting of of of. So these are to me are very positive regulatory movements in the industry, which I think will only help us contribute to the growth in 2024 as we expect. And the last thing I would say, which is where Sri comes into picture, is new projects due to market correction. The builders had a lot of energy and time, and we had a lot of crypto tourism move on, and the real builders who stayed back. We had Coinbase had Base built on Arboretum, and you had many such chunks of these projects. Now we begin to see Bonk, which has have taken the taken the the crypto universe by by you know by storm. So you see many of these sort of projects come to life, which were sort of dormant or being built. With that, I'd like to move on to Sri, um, Sri. Uh, tell us more about Arna Protocol, um, and I do have some follow-on questions, uh, as we'd like the audience to know about Protocol. Tell us about your vision, how you stumbled upon this industry, as we introduce you and your project to our to our audiences. But I'm really, really curious because I've always looked into Layer Four, and we'll describe that to our audiences in a minute. And I always am looking at who are the Amazons and Ebays of this industry as they're evolving, taking advantage of all the lower level protocols. So with that, Sri, welcome to our show. Tell us more about your experiences, your journey, and Arna Protocol. Thank you. Thanks, Nitin. Thanks, Derek, for having me on your podcast, Beyond uh, Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an absolutely packed year. Like you guys said, so many things moved on slowly but if you look back and in hindsight it's just packed with so many deep developments in the space and one of them i would say in over the last sort of two years is actually what the evolution of more serious players builders uh, use cases within crypto uh, web3 as well i mean we all know that there's probably 70 80 percent of uh, just speculative uh, stuff out in crypto and as the space matures, uh, we, we hope to sort of see a lot more real uh, use case focused, serious applications coming up. And I think, I think that's something which has, uh, which, which sort of over the last year has uh, helped in, in, in many ways. So we need these cycles in, in the space as such to kind of sift through and remove all the noise. So Arna, Arna is a DeFi asset management platform, as you said. I 
looked at sort of my my introduction to DeFi was around three years back, and I was looking at building my next startup. You know, having built a consumer foods startup, very different world uh, back in <laughs> India in the last decade. And I, I was keen to look at something which is sort of, again, plays to my strengths in understanding consumers, users, and, and in, the, in the financial services world. That's when I realized that DeFi is so foundational. There is so much that can be done to democratize access, build really you know important sort of structured products that give users the ability to participate in, in this new evolving asset class. And it's great that in the last you know, one year we've seen the, the class sort of almost doubling now. It's not the end of the end of the you know dips. I'm sure there's going to be more you know volatility in the space as we move ahead. But we know the sort of the, the, the trend, the long-term trend of this asset class and what's happening. <coughs> but I realized that this space had several challenges for wider adoption. You look at the UX, it was extremely clunky, the level of fragmentation very high. So if anybody wanted to actually get into crypto as a, as a user, as an investor in any form, you had to go to 20 different places or like Derek mentioned from an institutional perspective, just do Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, and that's not, that's not, it, it's, it's the most foundational part of crypto, but you know, really all the, the value will be built with applications uh, that are going to come forward. So I saw that the sort of the level of fragmentation was very high. The intelligence information was completely unorganized in many ways. And uh, even if it was there, you needed to be a full-time player, a full-time trader to be in, in the space as opposed to someone who can really participate in it, from, you know, in a more responsible way by accessing a platform. And of course, the overall <coughs> dimension of trust, there, there was just too many, what shall I say, too many factors which contributed to a lack of trust as opposed to trust evolving in this trustless architecture. So when I looked at that, I clearly saw that here is an opportunity to build to native decentralized on-chain asset management platform built on the architecture of decentralization, being trustless, being permissionless and something that helped users manage their entire crypto or digital assets wealth life cycle. So that's when I started looking at how we, we could build, build our NAS a DeFi asset management platform, realized that without getting into too many details that to do that, we needed to build an infrastructure side to it, which would organize yeah. the intelligence, the expertise, the manufacturing, and then be the other part of the infrastructure, which would really leverage the technology to be able to tokenize all of that, you know, the, the insights, the information, the, the strategy. So I use that tokenization infrastructure and then finally abstract all of this away and provide users a very sophisticated but simple to use application or DAP where they can access the entire digital assets space. So that's how Arna evolved and over the last, you know, more than a year we've been building that and we, we launched the beta around three months back. It's a three phase yeah. beta. The first two phases are through and we're, we're on to launching the final stage of the beta in the in, in January where we actually launched the R5 yeah. vaults or the crypto structured products. Wow, that's brilliant. Uh, again, uh, Shri, hearty congratulations because I think from vision to fruition of you know your your vision and, and, and making that live is two year journey and you build this from ground up, right? The, you had a you had a vision that you described 
loosely to me when we met the first time and I met you again in India Blockchain Week. We spend quality time in understanding your protocol. I think I believe you've leveraged not just the underlying decentralized infrastructure, the tokenized asset infrastructure on top of that, but you also have leveraged some of the intelligence gathering using AI machine learning and providing that feeding into the asset valuation mechanism, giving a bit more intelligent touch to it. And so the way I have understood Arna is, I've always, I think Derek will attest to it, compared the industry into you have layer one, layer two, which we've discussed this you know, as a foundational layer. And mm-hmm. then you begin to see layer three, the likes of Aave and the likes of you know, stable coins, which are application services. Mm-hmm. And where things become really interesting is layer four, which which is where I look into liquidity protocols and yield farming protocols who are leveraging the underlying layers to find and squeeze every little bit of value. So is it fair then, Sri, to compare Arna protocol as a layer four protocol that's leveraging and sitting upon all these sort of value layers underneath the covers to provide that optimization using intelligent, you know, from data, using the access, which is where I think you talk about liquidity fragmentation, leading to inefficient use of capital, you're trying to sort of solve some of those core problems to give user a singular interface to make sense of all the underlying protocols without actually having to know the details of what the protocols are. Is that a right way to characterize this? Yeah, I think, Nathan, I think, I think that that would be certainly one of the ways of sort of wrapping up how, how this layer four itself is building yeah. on all, all the infrastructure layers and not just the infrastructure layers the what's happened is in in layer three we've got very niche spe- specialized protocols building say you know different dimensions of DeFi, but that you know by inherently by design that leads to fragmentation so you really need something you know on top so yes our, our arna is designed to be that layer four on top and just to give an analogy from from legacy tradfi financial markets we need to do a Schwab to crypto. <laughs> Whatever happened, you know, 40 years back in the equity space, as Schwab came in, disintermediated, brought in technology, brought down costs. They came to be known as a discount brokerage, but they did a lot more actually to provide easy access and democratize equities. Similarly, you know, Arna is designed to be the decentralized Schwab of Web3. And I think we need to build a responsible platform, which gives uh, users uh, you know real access to this space and uh, through 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 this platform sitting on top yeah so i think derek we should reach out to charles schwab as a sponsorship because i think she gave a plug she gave a plug in to, to what schwab did for traditional finance arna will do for for decentralized finance <laughs> so i'm 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 reaching out to charles schwab if they're listening to this we are open for sponsorships you know for this for the podcast but point taken, Sri. Derek, do you have any questions for Sri? Yeah, absolutely. Sri, we always talk about the fact that, that we as fund managers ultimately know that if this industry is going to continue and continue the way we envisage it to be, our existing structures should be disintermediated. They should be disintermediated. And, and the reason why is because, you know, with the decentralised finance and the ability for people to express their capabilities and their skill sets in the form of managing and strategizing money, why not build that into an autonomous organisation or a DAO, a decentralised autonomous organisation? And we believe in that. And 
And so accordingly, we've kept our eye on that the whole time, which, when, you know, which, which you know, intrigues us about what you're doing, et cetera, along the way. We've looked at early stage sort of software as service providers on web, in a web environment, where they have created these little environments where people can follow and invest behind a trend, behind a particular investor that is investing and his investments are shown and his performance, his or her performance are shown and therefore someone says, yep, I'll, I'll invest in that and they put some money into it. Now, probably the first time I saw that was nearly four years ago, I guess, and the, the amounts of money there were very, very small and the profile of the site was very small. And I think part of the reason for that was around regulation. So I'm keen to hear how you envisage the, the more DAO-orientated environment to be able to cope with regulations, and not just regulations in one country, but the diversity of regulations right across the world, because you're going to get global investors into this space and into your solution. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, Derek, you, you touched on the right point. I, I think if there are two headwinds and at the same time two vectors which can really propel DeFi into mainstream, one is regulation, the other is uh, security. Uh, I think I think these are the two dimensions which need to evolve and uh, can, can either um, prove to be a sort of a, a big hurdle or actually become enabling. So being an entrepreneur and someone who is sort of deeply invested in this space so I, I'm, I'm very optimistic that yes there will be there will be there will be of course sort of short term um, you know challenges as as regulation evolves but i think i think regulation will evolve in an enabling way in the longer term for uh, this space and it is important to build the credibility the legitimacy and you know for wider adoption in in many ways so i think I think the way you know platforms like Arna and others are designed, developed will evolve over time as regulation evolves. And you know we we are designed in a way where we are a platform. We we kind of aggregate. We uh, you know and and you spoke about how a DAO platform can be used for decentralized you know creation of products and ideas. I think we we are also uh, built. The, the first part of our tokenization infrastructure is this platform, which is actually a DAO platform for organizing both human expertise and for utilizing AI in the architecture of how we look at blockchain transaction data, social sentiment, and featureize that. So all of this is going to come together, but as as the regulatory environment in different, at least major markets, major financial markets, major geographies becomes clearer, Platforms will need to be agile, be uh, close to that, and uh, sort of keep evolving, work closely to to a at one end be compliant and uh, be structured in a way so that they are able to clearly remain uh, within the realms of suitable regulation, and at the same time yet remain true to the ethos of decentralization. I think both that balance is important. So that's where I think that that conflict will come, but. It's about sort of evolving the right architecture and design and, and how one builds a decentralized platform like this. Yeah. Sushri, let me double click on security, right? And especially in light of the recent ledger and this eternal debate we've had in terms of custodial versus non-custodial wallets. I'm sure 
being in DeFi, you know, asset management platform, you're dealing with some of the elements of financial primitives. You're engaging in some level of locking of an asset, which is collateralization. There's lending activity happening and you're sitting on top and figuring out as to how do you optimize all those things. If I have, let's say, X or a type of assets, what can I do in terms of maximizing the yield? So I have to engage in these primitives and I find Arna as a gateway to, to engage in that whole element. How do you sort of view security? Because security has always been, as you mentioned, because of poor UI UX, I think one of the reasons that's contributing to these these clunky challenges, as you rightly pointed out, how are how are you one viewing it, and what are your broad brush sort of principles that you're going after to ensuring that if I'm engaging with Arna, uh, some as some aspects of yes, I need to be educated, I need to understand this because now I'm taking the control on this, you know, off the protocol, but also how do you ensure security of assets? Yeah, I, th I think that's that's one of the sort of as as a responsible platform, one has to be always uh, very close to the dimension of security. And I had sort of written about it as uh, well earlier. You know, on some of the vectors that are absolutely important for uh, wider uh, adoption. The security is at sort of different levels. Clearly, one is at the you know larger infrastructure, the layer one, two, three. So at at that level. And if you look at the Ledger Connect issue uh, that happens for it, and many of the sort of applications will depend upon security infrastructure from to to build. And when breaches happen there, then it sort of something which is outside the control of you know applications, and it it is a challenge. So I hope the industry sort of at, at a infrastructure level really starts evolving uh, more robust security standards in some form. I mean, if you look at how the ledger connect breach happened yeah. at some level it's 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 quite shocking to be to be honest you know that it could happen mm -hmm. through an ex employee's device mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. and for us for a hardcore security company for I, the, I agree so I, I think that's that that's a challenge um, but at the same time i think applications dApps protocol really need to be always uh, thinking about what needs to be done from a security perspective of course the all the usuals what shall I say, the usual best practices in terms of security audits, regular security audits and uh, revisiting them, those are vital for uh, anybody who's in the smart contracts uh, area, your tokenization platforms. And, and we've gone through extensive uh, third-party security audits, of course, and we'll continue to do so as, as we move ahead. But it, it remains a challenge, and I, I don't have a sort of clear answer to that, but I'm, I'm sure I, I, at, at both these levels, at the application levels, uh, you know, builders have to be very, very careful and not just, you know, leave this responsibility to the infrastructure levels. I mean, one has to actively invest in the security side. And at the same time, I hope from an industry perspective, we, we really take to, to 2024, significant focus should be around security in uh, smart contracts. I mean, we've seen the the quantum of and the number of hacks that have happened in the in the space is actually you know it, it's a huge barrier for everything that that the, the good that can happen in the space yeah it's very no, true absolutely and, and i think if you look at the future of tokenized go ahead Derek. oh no go ahead Nitin. <laughs> yeah i was just uh, you know opining on this uh Shri, just to agree and having a sort of an agreement on this where the future of tokenized funds and financial services rely upon this. I mean, this one thing which 
I've always said that blockchain and DLT solve the issue of time and trust and trust is that component that I've, when I submit, when I deposit money and I'm making a trade, there's a certain level of trust I have with the financial institutions that I interact with. And yes, I'm paying a fee and yes, I complain about it, that it's clunky. And if DeFi protocols is meant to solve and replace that, 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 that interface, it has to be better if not provide an equivalent level of trust uh, of the existing financial institutions. So I do tend mm -hmm. to agree that as we tokenize funds, and uh, Derek and me have talked, Derek's vision early on with Portal Asset Management itself was to tokenize the fund to disintermediate ourselves as a, as a fund managers. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where uh, your, your points are well taken. And I believe that we collectively as an industry need to solve that, whether we're doing this from a structural perspective or technology perspective or both, so, so to speak. So, so can I make one statement there? We, we don't want to disintermediate ourselves as a fund manager. We want to disintermediate the system so that we don't have all that burden associated with the onboarding, cost, administration, et cetera, of a fund. And why I say that is that, is that your system and others are envisaging our skill sets to be able to be utilised in a DAO, a decentralised autonomous organisation without all of the infrastructure that goes in it. That's what I'd like to ultimately see. So the skill set is leveraged on a global basis and the distribution friction associated with being able to be onboarded and invested is disintermediated. Um, and that's certainly a goal going forward. I've got a couple of comments on the need and the aspect of security and how important it is. One of them is just an observation over the last five years. And that is that, is that this space I've often said this space is a little bit like Darwinism on steroids. And that is a hack occurs, a collapse occurs, money is, is you know, value is stolen, very often is found blocked or returned, which is intriguing. But nonetheless, a hack occurs. Well, the next thing that happens there is a patch occurs. Or that system dies and another one learns from it rapidly and grows. Now, when you compare our existing financial system with that, a bank collapse occurs, an enormous amount of regulation comes out, and 10 years later, another banking crisis occurs. And it's done so for years and years and years. The regulations are band-aids on band-aids on band-aids to try and resolve a system, which in actual fact is fundamentally you know, challenged by virtue of of the by virtue of the banking requirements to have a certain amount of money sitting in 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 bonds and 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 that that amount of money can be mismanaged over a period of time market interest rates can rapidly change the bank can find itself in a in a deficit of of, of assets and a bank run can occur very quickly destroying the bank that same system is still in place and that's happening every every decade you see that happening and so Yes, this, this area is attacked, and, but from those attacks, the fixes occur very quickly. And that's what's so impressive about this space. This space will have longevity and strength, I think, above the existing infrastructure. One comment. And another is that, you know, if you're looking at the ultimate position here, where a DAO might be able to do something that's very common for everyone, a decentralised autonomous organisation manages digitised real estate assets, very common investment, and that is then enabled globally. 
you know, you can and, and investments from any, any investors from any country can invest very small amounts of money into it. You really are seeing massive disruption to the existing unit trust systems that are listed on exchanges or private unit trusts, etc. And and I think that is true democratization of investment and I think that's a wonderful thing and, and I really believe that that is going to be the future of DeFi and so disruptive but in a really positive yeah. manner. What do you think, Sri? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally with you uh, on, on that, Derek. And the, the DAO platform, for example, you know, we, we're essentially a, a, a platform as a, as a DeFi asset managed platform, we're not only looking at democratizing access for users at one end, it's about providing a platform for experts like fund managers like yourselves or, or data scientists to, you know, really come on the DAO and utilize, leverage your expertise to create alpha or, or structured products, which can be then tokenized on the, the Arna tokenization uh, platform. So that is really true decentralization of the entire alpha value chain. So our, our mission uh, at Arna is uh, to decentralize the alpha value chain. And that starts with the, uh, you know, at, at the beginning itself. So it, it's not about creating a centralized entity with uh, hundreds of uh, fund managers and uh, uh, data scientists all working in a centralized entity, but really creating the uh, platform for uh, experts, fund managers, for you know, data scientists to come together, work yes. uh, in, a, in a collaborative form and, and create the, the alpha ideas or, or structured products. And, and that comes through a very decentralized process. And then really take that expertise you know, and, and leverage that expertise to provide democratized access to a lot many users who can access that now. So I, th I think that's how, yeah. that's how I, I, I look at it in terms of the entire protocol, the way we've designed and totally with you in terms of how the, the vision for Arnadao and how it should uh, evolve on, on one end of the yeah. site. Mm. Sri, so, so you've been the perfect me, guest I think we could talk for, for hours for this area. We'll give, give Nitney's last question, but you've been a perfect guest for us today because you're talking about the vision of investment into this space and the vision of decentralized finance playing a really major role in global investment. And I think that's a fabulous way of, of capping 2023. Nitin, your last question. Yeah, I, I, I think we certainly have a lag here, but uh, you know, I think we could talk for hours. But Sri, as a builder, and as an innovator, love to get your views on future as these protocols evolve in your in your terms, and the intersection of regulation evolving business models. Because what you're what you're prescribing is really evolution of business models too, right? And and the tech, a lot of tech needs to develop and evolve, whether it's UX or whether it's entry point, and to get to where you are, the sophistication that you bring. You need to have some entry points that make life easier, whether it's walleting structures, whether it's UI, UX, ensuring with certain level of granularity and security. So love to get your sort of closing thoughts on risk and opportunities as you see this industry evolve and how can Arna play a pivotal role 
to bring this to common people, like to even today in traditional finance, I don't think people fully understand the gravity of difference between wealth managers, asset managers, investment managers. It's all different terms they use, and you're trying to simplify those things from a simple investment objective perspective, right? So, love to get your get your uh, sort of you know summary of thoughts uh, yeah. in that context. So I, I think there's, there's just too much packed into that loaded question. <laughs> And it's it's a hard it's a hard problem, and we've all seen how you know sort of legacy financial markets have kept out more people than included them. We've seen value gravitated towards the you know the the one percent consistently, and even you know the the buoyant upper middle classes, which were always a core part of the you know meritocratic societies, have have in many ways. Been at the receiving end of not having access to high quality, you know, products and and financial opportunities because wealth is not just created from hard work. It's also uh, built on how how one is able to sort of invest and build the the wealth created from hard work itself. It's the financialization of it. I think, I think I think that's where if if we can really leverage what it brings to the table in terms of democratizing. The, the creation of uh, you know complex products in in but but simplifying the access to it democratizing the access uh, to it i th- i think then we would be able to really move the uh, needle uh, forward in in that sense and i think i think that's that's what we are endeavoring uh, taking the first steps at our not to really provide a platform for to to connect essentially users at one end and uh, really experts and creators at at the other end and and uh, build that new financial system as yeah. such. I, I think that's that's how I would put it. And it's it's definitely a big, big problem. It's a challenge. And I, I think there will be a significant evolution of how this model evolves over time. I think we've, we've got the first V1 ready and, you know, I'm out there and we'll continuously build on that and sort of learn from the other developments in the ecosystem that that's also taking place in, in parallel. Mm. So thank you very much indeed, and thank you for joining us for the last show of 2023, the year we look upon now as a year of real turnaround for the, both the, the industry as developers, for the regulations that have gone into place, and for those that are keen to see this industry move forward now that the, the, the remainder of what used to be considered to be the opposition to this industry, which is the institutions, are investing in the industry, supporting it, building around it. Forward-looking governments, I would define them as, are looking at and, and have put positive regulations in. We're excited about 2024 going forward. And because none of us here, and I think very few of the listeners, are what Nitin would define as crypto-tourists, and many of them here dedicated to this space, I would welcome you to come along next year and join us and listen to what we see as each month, each week occurs in the 52 weeks of 2024. A huge thank you to both a whole variety of our guests that we've had through the year, been fabulous contributors to the narrative and to our understanding, to our education, and hopefully to the audience education. A giant thank you to the audience who have been so interested and dedicated to this. We've seen the audience as we've toured around the place and gone and attended conferences come up to us and say, we really enjoy 
your, your show and how you, you, you view this. That's inspiring to us. And, and of course, a thank you to my partner in this show, and that is Nitin Gower. Thank you so much, Nitin. Thank you, Jarek. And I reciprocate, and I, 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 I echo those sentiments as well. It's always gratifying when people come up to you in conference and say, hey, I loved your podcast and continue <coughs> to do the work and, 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 and provide the feedback. And Sri, again, thanks for highlighting the 2023 for us being the last guest or guest on the last podcast, podcast <coughs> rather, and looking forward to an exceptional 2024, looking forward to an exceptional success of Arna Protocol in 2024. Thank you. Thanks, Nitin. Sure. Thanks, uh, Derek. And I'll just add on to that. 2024 is uh, going to be about uh, accelerating decentralization. So all in on that. Yeah. Wonderful. So over this period of time for the Christmas break, we will be back doing our first recording on the 16th of January, and that'll go live on the 19th of January. And so in the meantime, we'll probably we'll put on some of our greatest hits for 2023 some of the more popular or the most popular of our various various podcasts and you can enjoy that over the christmas break look after yourselves be at peace and have a wonderful time with your families over this christmas break bye for now bye guys thank you thank you we hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation if you have any questions comments or suggested topics please contact nitin gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week.